The Korean government has unveiled a public housing plan which would be turning commercial accommodations into public apartments. The response has been largely positive, although some are concerned about whether this scheme can actually address the recent Chunse shortage problem. Uh, with increasing interest in the role of public housing and solving these type of real estate issues, we're going to uh, take a comparative look of the public housing situation in other countries, uh, namely Hong Kong and Australia. So first, with Hong Kong, we welcome on the line Professor Richard Wong, Chair of Economics, and Philip Wong, Kennedy Wong Professor in Public Political Economy at the University of Hong Kong, joining us on the line. Hello. Hello. Morning. Good morning to you, Professor Wong. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, first question, what are the major problems faced by Hong Kong residents in terms of housing? Well, it has always been uh, a shortage of housing uh, stemming from uh, immigration. Uh, in the past uh, uh, 30 to 40 years, Hong Kong population increased by 2 million uh, mostly uh, through uh, immigration from the mainland in terms of a family reunion. Hong Kong's population is now 7.5 million. Uh, so there is a shortage of housing, um, and therefore property prices and rents have risen. Uh, part of the solution uh, the government had attempted is to uh, build uh, uh, public housing, uh, public rental housing, to uh, accommodate it. But housing shortage is not the key problem because um, as a result of rising property prices uh, uh, due to a variety of global factors, um, uh, one of the results has been a great inequality in wealth. Mm. Uh, Those who already own private housing has experienced a huge capital gain over the last 30 to 40 years, whereas those without housing, in particular those who live in public rental housing in Hong Kong, um, is sort of locked out of the uh, opportunity to have capital gain and, uh, and, fa- and others who are waiting to have homes, young families particularly, uh, find private housing unaffordable and then the supply of public rental housing is not sufficient. Right. Um, One thing that is a big problem here in Korea has been rampant real estate speculation. Would you say real estate uh, speculation is a social problem in uh, Hong Kong as serious? Uh, When property prices rise, particularly in the last 30 to 40 years, except for the Asian financial crisis, with low interest rates, particularly low interest rates um, that have prevailed for for uh, the last uh, uh, 12 years, since 2008, um, uh, speculation is just a natural outcome. I do not think speculation drive out, drive up housing prices. Mm. Uh, it is basically low interest rates and, of course, shortage. Now, um, you can never increase housing enough to meet demand as long as you have very low interest rates, right? because there is always... The, because low interest rates drive property prices up and people would like to uh, benefit from uh, uh, rising housing prices by becoming a homeowner. So, so this is a, 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 I would not see speculation as the cause, but rather the consequence.
You mentioned public rental housing in Hong Kong. Could you explain how it works? And uh, would you say it's been successful? Is there room for improvement? Uh, I think the public rental housing in Hong Kong, uh, about 32% of all households live in public rental housing. These are very low uh, rent um, um, housing. Typically, it will be... uh, about 80% lower than market rent. So it becomes very affordable to people who are without uh, means. Mm-hmm. However, once you move into a public rental housing, you you literally never leave, right? Unless you become uh, very well off. Uh, so you tend to stay there forever. Mm-hmm. And as a result, units get occupied uh, for life. Uh, this results in no turnover, uh, because there is no market for public rental housing. If you could rent it out, then because uh, only if you are an owner, since you are a tenant, you can never rent it out. You're renting it from government. As a result, the the abuse and underutilization of public rental housing is enormous. In the past uh, 20 years, government have built more public rental housing, uh, but the total number of people who live there uh, uh, is unchanged. You cannot get. So what happens is when children grow up and they have income, then they leave the, their, their home uh, because otherwise their income will be too high and therefore um, uh, there will be a penalty. So as a result, it creates very inefficient use of uh, housing uh, in the market. Uh, and you can never build enough because um, the demand is insatiable. I think so. So uh, this is very different from Singapore. Singapore has a public housing program, but it is not rental based primarily. Ninety percent of the people who live in public housing uh, own their homes and they can uh, buy and sell uh, to uh, Singaporeans, uh, uh, not to uh, foreigners. Uh, it encourages a much more efficient utilization of the units uh, than the public rental housing stock in Hong Kong. So ownership is very important because ownership allows a turnover uh, and uh, uh, results in better use of scarce resources. Yeah, a very good point with the uh, look at Singapore. Um, I want to combine the last two questions into one, if I can, Professor Wong. Um, can you talk about the tenants' purchase scheme and uh, what what you think about that, as well as your overall policy recommendations for Hong Kong real estate? Um, uh, two things. Uh, the first, with regard to the public housing sector, I my, I would advocate a tenant purchase scheme for public rental housing. In other words, um, government will sell these units to the sitting tenant at a discounted price. Uh, they will uh, be able to uh, gradually pay off the loan, some of them to government and some of them to banks. Um, uh, so this would allow these uh, tenants uh, to become homeowners. And as a result, there will be greater efficiency of use. People can uh, move around within the city, uh, move closer to work, or move further away from work if they are no longer working. Uh, And furthermore, uh, uh, allow them to rent out or sublet the apartment to encourage greater use. Um, So so it will also allow uh, uh, a big 
proportion of the Hong Kong population to become homeowners and therefore be able to uh, benefit from a rising housing prices in a, a very low interest rate environment that we can foresee, uh, especially uh, even from today's point of view. Uh, so I would uh, so that is one. On the private housing side, I would encourage government uh, to uh, uh, relax uh, uh, zoning laws and uh, and the building regulations so that uh, more so that developers will be incentivized to build more uh, private housing. Something that, for example, uh, happened in uh, in Tokyo. Uh, it became easier to build housing, and therefore uh, more housing uh, were were rebuilt. Lower lower story uh, housing got rebuilt into higher storied housing, so that uh, again the overall supply would increase with the same amount of land. Yeah, uh, it seems like some very commonsensical uh, policies here and uh, things that uh, could be considered by Korean policymakers as well as uh, we've been grappling with this uh, housing shortage as well as the uh, kind of uh, skyrocketing uh, real estate prices that uh, many places, including Hong Kong, have also uh, been suffering from for quite a while. Professor Richard Wong, we thank you very much for joining us and appreciate your insights onto this issue. Thank you. We're going to go ahead and continue our discussion of uh, this topic and uh, take a look at how the situation is in Australia. Joining us is Professor Hal Pawson. He's the Professor of Housing Research and Policy and Associate Director at the uh, City Futures Research Center of the University of New South Wales, Sydney. Hello. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Thank you for joining us, Professor. Uh, could you first tell us uh, the background to uh, the the government there and their commitment to public housing? Well, um, the, at the moment we have a, a, a sort of conservative um, government. Mm. It's called the, the Liberal Party. Right. Is, the, is the main party in it, but um, that's the name. But it's they have a conservative stance on mm. things. Um, their attitude towards social housing is. Um, pretty negative um, at the national scale. But we do have state, uh, we have eight state and territory governments in Australia, um, like Victoria, New South Wales, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and it's actually that level of government that um, has a very important role, uh, as kind of direct role to play in, um, in, in housing policy as well. So the, the, sc- the stance that they take is also very important. In terms of if the state governments like Victoria have a fairly robust uh, state housing plan, but it doesn't necessarily meet the uh, philosophical vision of the, the current central government, um, uh, depending on who's elected to power, if it's the Liberal Party at that time, does that cause a bit of a conflict or um, a, a less um, resulting in less effectiveness of the policy? Or did, can, can it work kind of regardless of who's in charge of the well, federal government? It- well, sure. It, it would certainly work a lot better if both if both levels of government um, saw this the same way. Um, the fact that they don't doesn't. It's uh, the state or territory government is quite free to go ahead and um, kind of strike out on its own in this area. Um, it's pretty hard for them to do so because they have far less tax raising powers than national government, but they do have the they do have the the, the legal powers and the policy scope to do so if if they choose to. Most of the time, state and territory governments in Australia do not choose to do that without the the government, the national government behind them. 
Um, historically, that's been the way that social housing has been expanded in Australia you know, since the middle of uh, the 20th century, usually with the, with the national government um, really backing it financially. However, um, what we've seen in the last couple of weeks is a really quite extraordinary move from Victoria's state government, um, following on from uh, a second wave of um, COVID-19 in, in Victoria, which was... Um, far, far worse than in any other part of Australia. They've now got on top of that and uh, now got to the position of having no tra- uh, community transmission for over a month. And um, in the process of, of, of bringing down the, 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 the infection, they also um, planned a very ambitious um, uh, stimulus investment program um, that includes a, a very big commitment to a social housing construction program over the next four years on really on a quite unprecedented scale for a state or territory government in Australia. Generally speaking, Professor, uh, we just talked to uh, a, an expert from Hong Kong, but similar to Hong Kong in Korea, uh, land is scarce. Um, the big um, metropolitan areas, including Seoul, have rampant real estate speculation problems. Uh, prices are sky high. Supply is low. It doesn't meet demand. Um, we think of Australia as this vast expanse of space. However, we do know that uh, there are coastal cities that certainly have uh, high real estate prices. Would you say there are yeah. similar issues faced by Hong Kong and Korea uh, that are faced by residents? in big cities in, in, in Australia? Well, yes, because, I mean, the, 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 the crucial question of, um, is not just about how much land uh, exists within your borders mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a country or a, a city-state in Hong Kong's case, but it's also what, uh, how much land is accessible, how much land is, is developable. Right. And um, it's all very well to have an you know, immense uh, 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 uninhabited parts of Australia, mm-hmm. but um, there's no housing market there. Um, the, 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 issue, the issue in Australia's big cities is developable housing land that is not so far from the centre of these cities where most employment is, is located, right. um, that, it, you know, that it's really not viable to, 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 to build there. So it's a kind of complex problem of um, investing sufficiently in infrastructure as well um, to enable the you know the outer parts of cities to be um, close uh, you know travel time to be reasonable to places where people can work, so we do surprisingly considering that yes you're right it's an it's an absolutely huge country but su- but surprisingly perhaps um, the, Australia does still have a big issue about pressure on land and on uh, resulting in very expensive land prices and. One of the ways to, to fix this, could you tell us a little bit more about the so-called SHARP proposal and, and what people have uh, advocated for as far as a policy that the federal government could adopt? Yeah, um, so the, the, the SHARP proposal um, is social housing accelerate, uh, accelerated uh, acceleration and renovation program, I think is, is, mm-hmm. is what it stands for. And that's been put forward by affordable housing uh, industry interests. Um, and advocates for uh, low-income uh, low-income groups to propose a, a, a big um, program to um, to do, do two things to to help the country recover from the recession that's resulted from COVID-19, and also to restore or to begin to restore um, a very long period or, or bounce back from a very long period, 25 years or so, really where Australia has pretty much stopped investing in, uh, in social housing at all. 
And as a result of that, our the provision of social housing in Australia has been drifting down and down in percentage terms of the housing stock. Mm. So that it's it's dropped to less than half what's provided in Korea, for example. So nationally, we're we're down between four and five percent of all our housing now um, being social housing. Um, I think the figure for Korea is more like nine percent. Yeah. Um, some European countries like the UK, it's you know up near twenty percent. So it, it's it's become um, it's become very shrunken over time. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons why the Victorian government has come forward with this um, unprecedented proposal, which is a kind of state-level version of the SHARP plan, which you just mentioned, um, the SHARP plan being a national, um, a national uh, program. Um, the, the, the Victorian government's partly done that because during COVID-19, um, one of the um, rapid responses to the pandemic was to, or the realisation that it's kind of dangerous from public health point of view to have a lot of homeless people um, either sleeping on the streets um, or um, maybe in very overcrowded housing where um, transmission of a disease was highly likely if if the disease, you know, was um, was rampant in the population. Yeah. So as a result of that, there was a big programme to, to have an emergency programme putting um, putting rough sleepers and others into booking them all into hotels and tens of thousands of people were mm. booked into hotels over a relatively short time. Now, government, quite responsibly, also wanted to um, give those people a pathway out of hotels, not back onto the streets, but into longer term housing. Um, but when it looked at how feasible it was to do that, there was a sudden realisation that the pandemic has just kind of exposed this problem of the shortage of social housing, which is one of the, you know, it's not the only way to rehouse mm. people into um, longer term tenancies. There's some scope to do it in the private sector, but it's very difficult. And that, and that shortfall kind of uh, put, brought back to the top of the agenda a policy problem that governments really need to attend to. And I know it's not necessarily, uh, it, it's sort of an apples to oranges comparison when you look at the Korean market and the Australian market. However, there, there could be some interesting comparisons here. Uh, social housing in Korea generally is considered, um, there, there's a bit of a stigma attached to it. And if you know people who live there, they tend to be uh, looked upon in a, in a different way, which is quite unfortunate. I imagine maybe there's, to some extent, uh, uh, similar sentiments in, in Australia as well. But from what you've been able to observe yes. in, in Korea with, you know, the land scarcity, with the lack of supply, um, with really the, the vast majority of economic, political, social activity, all centered in Seoul and the metropolitan area, which causes this imbalance despite the limited yes. land. Do you have any um, policy suge- suggestions? Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, you, I think one of the great strengths that uh, that Korea has over Australia um, is that you do have a national housing policy. We 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 simply don't have that. The the, the national government just kind of um, passes the buck really to states and territories. That doesn't happen in Korea. You have a very you have a, you have a national housing policy. You have a very strong national housing agency as well. Um, that's something which we're very envious of. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you who could teach us a few things, I think, in, in, in that respect. But I mean, there are, um, there are, there are other ways in which, um, we could, we can actually, uh, squeeze more affordable housing out of, 
um, out of the private housing market um, through using creatively using the planning system. Um, and I, this is not something where Australia can teach um, any other countries a lot of lessons because we've only done that to a very small degree here. But um, I, and I'm not quite sure whether this is something which is completely unexploited in in Korea. Certainly in uh, in many of the kind of countries that we normally compare ourselves with, like the USA, like like, like the UK, mm. um, the planning system is used in a in a uh, in a creative way to. Um, to to require that developers of private housing uh, include a, a proportion of affordable uh, affordable units within every within every project. Mm. That's something which is only being really sort of um, toyed with in Australia and um, in uh, and, and there's a lot of scope okay. for for, um, for for making more um, gains through that. And so it isn't just about right. public spending and investing in government supported um, social housing. There are other ways to do this as well. Okay, well, uh, really, really interesting to get the perspective uh, out of Australia there. Uh, Professor Pawson, thank you so much for your time and really uh, appreciate what you had to say. Thanks very much. That was Professor Hall Pawson from the University of New South Wales, Sydney. We're going to take a short break and be back after another check of traffic and weather.